Father, we're grateful once again for this opportunity, for this gathering this morning. Lord, wherever it is, we know that you are omnipresent and you are not bound by space or time. But Lord, you are very present and very real wherever the people of God are gathered this morning. Father, as just receiving that text from Brother Ron and just saying to go out and to preach it and to show the devil no mercy. Lord, we remember him this morning where he is. and We ask that you'll stand by our precious brother, Lord, that you will be very near to him and to their family. Lord, we heard a report this weekend about the believers in China. And we're asking, Lord, there's some of our brothers that are in prison cells this morning. But Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we remember that there was a believer one time in prison by the name of Peter. And the saints started to gather together and pray. And Lord, you heard their prayers and you sent an angel, O Lord. Father, we're the same company of believers. We're serving the same God today. And we're asking, O Lord, that you will stand beside our brothers. That you will release them, Lord. That they can be free to serve you. We remember the brother in Turkey that is in in prison. We remember your bride around the world in parts of Africa and different places in Europe and wherever they're gathered in India and the Philippines and, Lord, throughout South America. We remember your people, and we pray you'd remember us as we're here this morning. Lord, don't pass by our way. But as you pass, O Lord, may in that spirit realm you go not by only this place, but by every home, every heart, every person. Lord, we need you. We look to you. You're the chief captain, Lord. Father, we're asking you to come and minister to us today. We commit ourselves, the reading of the word, into your hands. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to turn to the Bible this morning. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Sister Ruth, I'm going to ask you if you can just put up that PowerPoint again. I'm going to refer to that directly as we we go into it. But Matthew, chapter 24, and we're going to just start the reading there. I'm also going to read from the book of Luke. But if we can maybe just pick up from, from Matthew, chapter 24, we're going to start reading from verse 32. And, uh... These are end time conditions. So in, in verse 32, this is, this is Jesus saying, Now learn a parable of the fig tree when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. So the fig tree in the Bible is, is referring to Israel, but Jesus would also see when you see the fig tree and all the other trees putting forth their buds. So he would also now go on to say in verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, but the angels of, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Amen. We don't know all things. 
We did not know at the beginning of this year we would be in this situation. We don't know those things, but we know him. We know him who is leading us. We're going to also turn, uh, let's just, maybe let's finish the reading here in verse 38. For this will parallel with what the reading is in Luke 17. For as in the days that were before the flood. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm actually, am I picking it up? Yeah, there we are. So, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But for in the days that were before the flood, notice this, in the days that were before the flood, there had to be some events taking place. They were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Um, there'll be two women that shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Now it doesn't mean you won't know the season, but the hour and exactly how it will unfold, we don't know. But by the season we're living in, our faith ought to be rising. Our faith ought to be quickened. The hours that we've waited for are here. I'm not saying this as a morbid desire, but I'm saying it with an expectation that our release is at hand. Amen. I just look forward, look forward to the hour that's coming. Amen. Let's just turn also to the book of Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, I want to just draw this. This will be talking about the tree again. And uh, Jesus refers to this in this manner. And it was just after, it was, this is... In terms of the setting, if we actually would take it, it was just when Jesus was on the road to the crucifixion, and uh, this is when they sought out Simon to bear the cross for Jesus. Verse 27, and there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. But weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps that never gave suck. Blessed be this. This is a time that would be coming when they would not want children, when they would not want to follow in the ordinance of life. This is a culture that we live in at this last day. Verse 30, then shall they begin to say, listen, this, how, does, how does the season change? It doesn't happen overnight. I wish it would, actually. It doesn't happen overnight, but it comes slowly, very slow, too slow this year for, for the spring. But I'll say this, it happens slowly, so we can see the season is changing. And he would say, then shall they begin to say, to the mountains fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? The green tree being Christ when he was there, the dry tree being now at the end and the fulfillment of all things. God bless his word. You, should, you can have your seats.
I'm going to speak this morning on conditions that are preceding the exodus. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting a, a, a bit of a uh, subtitle to that, and this may seem strange at this moment, but I'm going to, to take it this, what are you hosting? And I'll just leave it there for as we get into it. These are some quotes that really have been on my heart for a couple of, and I'll say this thought actually has been on my heart for a couple of months and, and been percolating, and, and I'm not sure I'll even be able to express it fully, but I want to just follow the Lord this morning. Uh, in 1954, God's provided way of healing. Brother Branham would say, uh, do you know the Bible predicts in the last days there'll be germ warfare, there'll be diseases that'll break on the people, and will fall on everyone without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a time that we're moving into. That's a time that we're coming, coming to. And that's actually going to come on the world in a greater way in the tribulation. But we're moving into that cycle. And, and Brother Branham would go on to say, but the angel who had charge over these plagues was given to, to orders to touch no one whom the mark was, how much kind of teachers have we got to be, brethren, to get the church into that kind of a condition? So there's a conditioning that is happening, and we are, we're using conditions before the exodus. The conditions are happening, preparing the world for what it's coming to, but there's also conditions that are happening to prepare us as a people for where we're coming to. And, and so there's a conditioning, and the prophet said there has to be the right kind of a teaching to get the church in that kind of a condition. Now, he says, God's got in a serum, and it's called the Holy Ghost, and when you get that, it'll inoculate you. You may catch a disease, you may catch the corona, but there's an inoculation that God has given, and that, that inoculation is more than enough. And I'll say that, I thank God for that. Healing is a children's bread. He will also say this in another message, and, and this is Who is God, 1950. We believe and we feel pressed in the Spirit that great judgments are upon these lands in these last days. Plagues, disease, disease germs already bred up to be scattered throughout the nations. No doctor will even know how to take a hold of it. Oh God, we will have to believe in divine healing then. I'll tell you, friends, this is an hour where we will need to know that God is our healer. When nations are breeding germs together, they burst them in bombs and millions die in hours over it. But we're so thankful, he said, that, that he says we're so glad tonight to be under the blood, safely protected as Israel in the days of old putting the blood on the lintel of the door, upon the doorpost, the sign of the cross. Now, I'm going to just take this a little bit. I, I touched on this Wednesday a little bit, and I'm going to just take it, and maybe I apologize if I couldn't make it clear in the video, so I'm going to take a couple of thoughts, and I'm going to use the current world situation a little bit because the physical types the spiritual. Now, this is from, from a couple of places that I just did a little bit of research, so I'm not a doctor, and if I get anything wrong, and, 
And there's lots of opinions that are out there, but I tried to take what was very common, and it, just, just in the form of questions. What is a virus? A virus is the most abundant life form on earth if you accept the proposition that they're alive. They are a life form, but only when they're attached to something. You, you say that there, there's a billion times a billion, and then multiply that by 10 trillion. That's how many estimated viral particles populate the planet. Is a virus a living thing? And this is what the scientists say. It depends on the location. Outside of a cell, a viral particle is inert. It doesn't have any force behind it. On its own, it can't reproduce itself or, for that matter, produce anything at all. It's the ultimate parasite. This is science saying this. What is a virus strain? A strain is a genetic Variant, a subtype or a culture within a biological species. There are certain strains of species which viruses are more predominant to be able to inhabit. Okay? Now I'm coming, coming to something, so I'm, I want to move quickly. I've got a few things on my plate. What is a host? So a virus is an infectious agent that can only replicate, replicate within a host organism. So it needs somebody to host it or some cell or something to give life to the qualities that are within the virus. Viruses can infect a variety of living organisms, including bacteria, plants, animals. The viral replication process begins when a virus infects its host by attaching to the host cell and then penetrating the cell wall or membrane. And we, we showed that on a little video clip on Wednesday. So they enter the cells, they replicate, and once they're within that cell, they use the qualities of the cell to multiply. So for a virus to spread, it's got to find its way into a cell. Um, they have a way of tricking cells to let them in. And, and the video that the science used on the video on Wednesday was... With a smile and a handshake, they disarm the cell and they gain an entrance. And they, they have an affinity to bind together with the protein that's outside the cell. And then they, they, that serves as an admission ticket and it, it invades the cell from that point. Now, I'm not going to spend too much more time on the scientific part of this, but I'm, just for a picture, if I can, and the picture... Uh, shows how a virus starts, how it from number one enters the cell body, releases its RNA or the, 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 the DNA or the, that part. It invades the cell nucleus, takes it over, and then it uses a host cell to create new RNA and assemble, assemble more viral particles. And in doing that, they, that cell will sometimes be destroyed or infected, but it begins to replicate itself from that cell life. Now, why is the host important? And this is what we'll spend a little bit of time in this channel. When a virus inserts its genetic material into its host, it literally takes over the host's functions. Okay? And then it produces more protein and genetic material. Instead of the usual products, 
it can remain dormant for a long time and inside a host for long periods. The virus cannot reproduce itself outside the host because it lacks the complicated machinery that a host cell possesses. Now let me, let me just stop there for a moment. I want, I want you to go back with me for a moment. God in the very beginning, when he created the heavens and the earth, and here was the heaven, and here was God with all the angels, and, and at his right hand side, he had the most beautiful angel that there was. And the angel was the morning star. And, and it was God created that in, in a form of beauty. And, 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 and the beauty was so great that something began to well up inside of, of that being called Lucifer. And Lucifer began to trust in his own beauty. Uh, he also had a little bit of an ought against God in that he was not co-equal, that he could not create, but he saw the beauty he had, and he wanted to use the beauty he had as a means of taking that which was held dormant in him for a long time. So what was inside of him was, let's call it a virus, and the virus was activated by, the host had, had beauty, but it was activated by pride. And his pride began to get in the way of obedience to the Creator. And he began to rebel against the Creator. Now, I, I, I need to just take, take this a little bit. Brother Branham would, would talk a little bit about it. And uh, he would say, because that spirit that was in heaven has infected the earth. And he says to people today that are possessed with that spirit are a part of these, sorry, he's, he's talking now here how two-thirds of the earth is in sin, two-thirds of the angels were kicked out, those demon spirits come into people and they habitate their body. They're demons. Once they existed as angels, but now they were cast out. So, so there was two-thirds of the angels that were in heaven but they believed the lie of Lucifer and his virus infected them and they began to be tools for, for, for the host, which really was Lucifer, but they began to be that. So, so what we have in the world today is, is spirits that are governing people. Now, now I, I'm, I just pray that you just pull on the word, help me to, to preach this this morning. So we read what science says. Let's read what Brother Branham says. We're in the darkest hour that this world has ever faced since the beginning of time. He says, cancer is on the rampage. Diseases are happening. Everything's taking place. We do not know what to expect. The doctors don't know what to call the diseases, so they're saying they're viruses. What is a virus? Ask the doctor. He says, it's something he doesn't know anything about. <laughs> Pray for the doctors. Pray for the physicians. They just say it's a virus. Little old bugs and demons flying that men has never heard of. Everything on the move. They're trying to curb it with natural things. But when we try to do something, it breaks out into something else. 
You give man penicillin for this, it sets up for something else. He says, God has a way, and we might as well get into it. Now, let's just move it along quickly. Now, he'll, he'll make these terms, and it really relates to the scientific realm that science is just beginning to catch up to. But God's already given us this. He said, this little cell backslides when it's bruised. He says, it begins, little germs running forth, they give their lives. That's why pus comes to a sore. Those are teeny little soldiers fighting for your life. They run up there, they try to hit that poison, them demon powers they're trying to collect in there, they give their lives. They're a bunch of little dead soldiers, that's pus in your blood. They're trying to give their life to save yours. Now God has provided for healing in the body. God has provided for these things to happen. And if we trust in him, he will bring it. I believe we can also have medicine that will help us. But we need to pray. Don't trust in the medicine. Trust in God who will make a way for us to be healed. Now, once a little cell rejects there and the demon gets started, he starts growing. He begins to multiply cells. Exactly what science is saying. He's building a body just exactly like your babies begin in your womb. So Satan is not a creator, but he is one that comes in and he uses the creative uh, principles that God has in place. He infiltrates that. He deforms it, and he begins to work his life and his purpose in it. Now he says he's building a body just exactly like your babies began in your womb, like you did in your mother, cell on top of cell. They have no form of nothing like a human being after its nature. It's just a spirit. It grows out anyway, and it begins cell on top of cell, cell on top of cell. Now, trust you see that. I, I find it clearer when I hear the prophets say it than I hear science say it. But I believe it. And I, I know where it came from. I know the source. I thank God for it. He says, so the first thing you know, you get weak, you get sick, you go to the doctor. He can't find it. Maybe he'll cut it. If he can cut it clear, he's got it. But if he can't cut it, cut it clear, if it's a little cell that's backslidden and grown into more, maybe it's on your throat or somewhere. He says, now, it's one little speck of it that will live right on. Now, listen to how he puts it. That has not the form of life like you have. It's a demon power that's moving, but it needs a host. Okay, now, this is the physical. The physical types the spiritual. Okay, so let's, let's just, just take it a step further here. And we use this quote on, on, uh, on Wednesday. And Brother Branham would say in the greatest battle ever fought, he said, the devil is almost harmless until he can have something to work in he's got. Remember the devils that, the, the devils that were cast out of legion. They wanted to do, have, they wanted to do more mischief. So they went to go to work in the hogs. Now, I, I, it always is amazing when you read that scripture in the Bible. What were they doing raising hogs in Israel anyway? What were they hosting when they were doing it? Friends, you might think, oh, it's just a little thing. It's a little side gig. Listen, the devil will get in anything that is not pure and that is not right in its motive. And I say, this is a time. Let's get everything checked out. So... Brother Bannon would say, the devil is harmless until he can have someone to work in. 
At the end, he says, that's the way God does too. He has to have us. He's depending on us to work through us. God's going to work. He's going to have a bride. He's going to show the devil in Satan's Eden that there's an Eve that will not fall. This Eve, because she has the seed of God in her, will not fall. Hallelujah. Okay, now I, I, I took this example on Wednesday. I just, I'm going to just touch on it briefly. So we took the, pic, the scene in heaven where there was a host, Lucifer, through which the vehicle was pride, envy, all these different things that were there. Now, let me, let me just turn this off for a moment here. Just want to just share this. When it came down to Eden and, 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 and Satan came down, there was three major trials in the Garden of Eden that we have also in this day. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Jesus overcame by the word. Eve fell to the personal temptation of Satan by failing to use the word. Eve was perhaps more vulnerable or had a strain which she could be susceptible to hosting a virus because she, her protection was not like Adam's, but her protection was behind Adam. As long as she stayed behind Adam, she was safe. As long as we stay behind the word, we are safe. That is our host, the word and the word alone. There is no other place that I want to be. There's nothing else I want to harbor. I want the word and the word alone. Now, so in the Ephesian church age, man was created for God. Man was to be the temple of God, the place of God's rest, the temple of God. Satan has known this all along. He also wants to indwell man, even as God does. But God is reserved to himself that right. Satan cannot do that. Now, Satan could not and cannot do that. He does not have creative powers. The only way for Satan to accomplish what he wanted to do was to enter the serpent in Eden, even as he entered by evil spirits into the swine at Gadaria. God does not enter animals, but Satan can and will to accomplish his ends. Now, so we know that in, in the Garden of Eden there was a, a being called the serpent. The serpent itself was an upright being and was bigger and better in physical stature than Adam was. So in other words, just like Lucifer, he had qualities that were more appealing to the flesh. Just like the church in this last day, with all their robes and fine choirs, they have qualities that are more appealing to the physical. But that's not what the bride is looking for. The bride is looking for God. Just as Satan needs the vehicle of pride as a common characteristic to host himself, so God is looking for humility in a people in order for him to come down. I'll tell you what, I can listen to the prophet's voice and I have no problem 
Because God chose a vessel with humility, with characteristics like Jesus Christ. Brother Moses, that's what you were preaching last Sunday. You were talking about how we need these characteristics. God does not come to a heart filled with pride. God does not come on the basis of knowledge. God comes to humility. The, the dove that circles the earth identifies with a lamb. Satan cannot work that way. It's not in his DNA. DNA, look, he looks to infect somebody who is working in the realm of knowledge. Somebody who is working in the realm of pride. That's the way he, he operates. You know, you, you don't think humility means anything? It, it absolutely does. Repentance is a great thing before God. The most wicked king... You can read this in the Bible, I don't have the place, but I think it's the book of Kings, was Ahab because he married Jezebel. And he married her. And, and when he married her, that was, that was akin to what's happened in this last day. But when he married her and judgment came on his house, and it was pronounced on his, on, after, after it went on Jezebel and on his house, he went and he received the judgment. He went into his house. He put on sackcloth and ashes and he repented before God. And God said, because you have done this, it will not happen in your time. The most wicked king. Now, if, if that was Ahab, what about us? Lord, forgive me. I got lifted up. Forgive me, Lord. I thought I could figure this out myself. I just want to trust in you, Lord. Friends, you're never going to defeat the enemy on knowledge. You're never going to defeat him in your own intellect. You will only defeat him with the Spirit of Christ. That's the only thing that stands for us. Now, let's move forward. So, Satan got into the serpent. Bigger, more beautiful had a place for a soul. Now, now, the serpent, and I made the statement on Wednesday, was not necessarily evil. But when he went into his soul, came as he was able to host Satan's characteristics, then he began to be a virus spreader. Satan used this, which was actually between the animal kingdom. Now just listen to how this is. I, I, I'll tell you, there is, thank God the cover has been pulled off the devil. Thank God for the revelation of serpent seed. Thank God that we have, we know what his beginning was. We know how he came in. And we know he will not get into us the same way. He said, so he could not have a child directly by Eve as God did by Mary. So he entered the serpent and now he had the virus, he was a host, and then he beguiled Eve. He seduced her, and to have a child vicariously. So out of that, Cain was born, infected, also now a host. And you watch the lineage of, of Cain, and you look at their characteristics. They were great men, mighty men, mighty men of renown. Physically, they were bigger and, and, and taller. They, they had... They had fleshly desires they had they they also had characteristics of knowledge they were they were learned men but there was another seed that came through abel and that that it came seth had 
Abel and, and, then, and then Seth, and it came through. That, that was just wonderful. They were humble, simple people. Oh, friends, they still exist on the earth today. It, it's not, somebody asked me once, he said, well, you think I'm a serpent seed? I says, I could never say that physically. I says, you're really, we're identified by our characteristics. And I say this, humility and meekness and the ability to receive God's word is a tremendous asset. I'll say that. Satan bore the full spiritual characteristics, Cain bore the full spiritual characteristics of Satan and the animalistic, sensual, fleshly characteristics of the serpent. No wonder the Bible said, or the Holy Spirit said, Cain was of that wicked one. He was. Now, just, just to take this, and I'll jump away from this in a minute, this last part of this. There's an affinity between animal and men. They can't intermingle and produce. Back in the garden, that intermingling did take place, and the chemical affinity which still exists proves it. So the missing link between the animal life and someone in between that had a place for a soul and man who had a soul was the serpent. And, and he had a chemical affinity. Now God allowed that host to be there knowing that Satan would step into it. But God will never be defeated. His purpose will never be defeated. Lord willing, we'll touch into it. And Jesus knowing, next week, Jesus knowing all these things, knowing that Judas was going to do what he's going to do, knowing that this was going to happen, he still submitted him to the cause of God. He still went up to Pilate. He still went to a cross, knowing that this was the greatest victory. That was an exodus for him out of this earth. There's an exodus for the bride that's going to take her out of this earth. Thank God for it. Satan took advantage of the serpent's physical characteristics to beguile Eve. Then God destroyed the pattern of that serpent. So that wouldn't happen anymore. Now, the human race was already infected. Now, no other beast can intercommingle with man, but the affinity is still there. So, now I, I need to now jump ahead. And I'm, I'm, I want to move this beyond just how this affects us, but how this is affecting the world or infecting the world, if I can. Let me, let me take it this way, because this is not just about a physical virus that's affecting a human body. The virus is one thing. I believe healing is more than there should it ever happen. But what's associated with this this time is, is everything that's governed around it. And we touched on it Wednesday. Parents who will do everything to physically protect their children will then put them in front of a television where they're infected by so much greater in their spirit realm. So it's not just the fear of the disease, but it becomes... The fear, and it, and it multiplies in several different ways. People who, who can go on an island and isolate themselves and, 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 and be there are just as infected by fear of their stocks and bonds and their economics, and they themselves become infected. You can be infected by 
You know, where, where will I go? You know, what's going to happen to my job? But that's not what the Word has come to do for us. The Word has come to put us at rest. God will take care of His own. He will see His bride through. Oh, Lord willing, I'll, I'll touch it more next week. But God said there will be a bride. Nothing can stop it. Nothing on this earth. It will happen. God will reproduce Himself again on the earth today. Now, it can be affected by the government. You can be affected. We, we, we follow the government. We believe in what they have to say in, in terms of this relating to health. But the conditions that are happening now are setting up for something. There was a brother this last week from New York. He's, a, he's got a church right in New York. He says New York is a war zone. He said, everybody's bottled up. He's a chaplain. He puts on a full suit, and he has the ability to go out. He has to go to his church. He doesn't know if they have food, but he can do it. But he says he goes on the streets, and it's a war zone. And, and, he, and he himself, he said he has a brother and a sister infected. Pray for them. He himself was coming down with symptoms. A bunch of brothers began to pray together for him. He woke up the next day. He says, God bless you, brothers. I feel great today. I believe God can do that. But what happens, the fear that begins to condition people. So now in the name of good, they're going to say, you can't gather with this many. And everybody says, that's a good thing. And we agree with that. But when will in the name of good pass from a physical realm into a spiritual realm where it becomes something greater? Where it becomes something that is against the word of God. It's conditioning the minds and the hearts of the people. The governor, or the, the governor of New York came out and made this statement this last week. And he said, churches that do not comply with these orders could be shut down permanently. Permanently. Now, you put that statement out, it may not happen. But what's it doing? It's conditioning. It's setting the people in heart. It's putting the conditions in such a way that things are going to happen that way. Friends, we've been talking about it for years. How there's laws being put into place that are going to bring into place everything. There'll be a, maybe a little time of pressure for the bride. The squeeze can happen in different ways. It can happen in a spiritual realm. It can happen in, 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 in a physical realm. I don't believe we're going to go through what they went through in the dark ages. But it still can happen. Believers in China are going through it. Believers in Turkey are going through it. It's happening, but it's conditioning the world for where they're going to. It's happening. I, I, I thank God that we can see. We've been given a measure of discernment. And I'll tell you what. There's going to be coming a fine line between complying and then when it eventually comes against us. So I'm just saying, we want to be alert. We want to be praying. We want to be focused on the Word of God because that alone will give us discernment. Your discernment comes from feeding on the Word. It comes, and I'll say, it comes on a couple of different levels. Not just digging out quotes. Not just listening to our streaming services. But feeding on the prophet's message. Hearing his voice as it comes out. There's something that's conveyed to you. There's something that becomes a fabric to us. Yes. Now, Brother Bram starts to go into the spiritual. And he says, now, what's one germ? 
It's a teeny little visible cell, the smallest of all cells. It says his spirit, his life is supernatural. It comes out, it has cosmetotics and so forth, petroleums. What is cancer then? A cancer is another life. He would actually call it a fourth dimension disease. It starts as spirit, but it infects the physical. A tumor, a cataract, he says, usually a cancer comes from a bruise. All of these things, the natural, type the spiritual. So thank God what we're seeing. He said, now he, he brings it to us on an individual level here. Don't let no root of bitterness ever get into your soul. It will canker you. Keep love. No matter how much people hate you, you love them anyhow. The anyhow is there for a reason. Some people are not naturally loved. We can all have a backside or an abrasive side to us. I have it, no doubt. I, you know what? I, I, can't, I, I, I hate myself for what I say and do sometimes. But listen, keep yourself in the love of God. So get sealed up right good with the blood of Christ. It'll cleanse you from all roots of bitterness. You, you take Mark chapter 11, we want to all move mountains. But read the latter part of that. It says, when you pray, forgive. Faith is based on forgiveness. Don't let bitterness, don't let something come in you. Keep the spirit of Christ in you. That's how it'll move mountains. He said, that temper, that malice, that unforgiving spirit, that thing, it'll canker your soul in a lost eternity. Listen, the Bible says, fear not them that can destroy you in the body, but fear them that can destroy the soul. That can affect your soul, your relationship, your talk with God. Don't let that happen. Hallelujah. I love this. The angel of the Lord comes down to where I am. I know nothing about you. That's the reason he tells you the kind of disease that you have in your body. Now listen to this. Because that life in your body is subject to the life that God has sent down to discern it. Oh, hallelujah. He said, the things you've done, he says, the physical, it'll, it'll tell you. And, and he goes on. I, I, I don't want to focus on this now. I'm going to need to move forward. I'm going to take this to, to today. So bear with me. How are we doing? Okay. It took a few minutes for announcements, so I'm just going to have, I'm going to keep it on time. Brother Andrew's going to speak tonight, so I need to get this off my chest. In the Bible, it talks about four horses, the four horse riders of Revelations. White horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. All differing colors, each represented the anointing for the age that they were, they were carrying it to. So that was four different horses. But four horses, here's the other thing, one rider manifesting differing characteristic for each age. In the first age, there was a, it was a rider that had a bow but no arrows. And, and listen, Brother Branham didn't even understand this in the beginning. But the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And he says that first day he caught it, notice, he had no arrows. He had nothing. He was just bluffing. And he was coming in deceit. I don't have time to get into the whole overlay with everything. The second thing was a red horse rider with a sword. Brother Branham picks up by the Holy Spirit and he says, 
The same rider jumped on this horse. The same infection that started that way jumped into this one. And then it jumped onto a black one which had a pair of balances and started to deal with economics and things. And it all comes together in a pale horse at the end. Now I use that pictorial because I want to set up a couple quotes here. Notice the Antichrist was on a pale horse, a mixed color. A horse is a beast, represents a power. Now look at the three things he pulls together. It's national powers, it's religious powers, it's demon powers. All these powers mixed together. That's what made that pale color. When Jesus comes, it's on a solid colored horse, the word. But this one mixes all these colors. He said, they, they were wearing a crown. He says, now, these three powers united together, all mixed up in a color pale, death spoke in the whole thing, political, religious, and demon powers mixed together. Then Brother Banner makes this statement, politics, he's the king of politics. Satan is smart. Whew. He says, sure, don't try to outwit him. Just trust in the Lord. Now, they are joining themselves together, coming to a showdown to Armageddon and riding on a mixed colored horse. Political power, spiritual power, controlled by a demon power, which is the Antichrist mixing all together. You get a pale, sickly looking thing he's riding on. Now notice, look at what he's riding on. This pale looking, grizzled colored horse mixed with black, red, and white, so it's white representing deceit, red representing the blood that was being shed, black, which is representing the, the economic, the, the, the charging for, for things, all coming together, gathering his subjects from every nation under heaven. They're gathering in now to do it. I don't think the world's ever going to be the same. Whatever this plays out to be, however it'll be, I don't think it's going to be the same. It wasn't the same after 9-11. It won't be the same after this. If nothing else, there will be more fear on people. Governments will have more power. When we were in the United States on a little holiday, I heard the, the uh, president uh, through the, um, the Department of Justice saying, we may waive all constitutional rights because of this crisis. And then they backed off on it. But what was it? They're setting up for something. I heard our prime minister talking. And I, I realize this is being streamed. And I'm, I can't stop from preaching the word of God. I heard him say that he says, I want to reserve the right to tax as I feel free to do. And, and he says, for two years. And then there was some opposition, so he backed off on it. But I'll tell you this, it puts its foot forward, it lays a seed, and it backs up. It puts its foot forward, it lays a seed, and it backs up. It's conditioning the people. And friends, as we see that, we don't want to be conditioned by their thinking. We need to be conditioned by the Word of God, the revealed Word of God. We need to look at the promise. Now, they're gathering in now to do it. Listen, this actually how Brother Branham says at the end here, he says, these three colored mixed horse, same man, same virus, just a different host. 
a different host. Let me, let me just do this. Go with me if you have. I'm just going to ask you to hold that slide for me, Sister Ruth. I'm going to ask you to turn to Revelations chapter 13. I'll tell you what. I've gone back to some of the book of Revelations. I've gone back to things Brother Branham has said. And I'll tell you what. They mean more today than they've ever meant before. And I'll say this. Thank God that we have eyes to see. Thank God for it. So Revelations chapter 13, if we look at verse 1. And I saw up on the sand of the sea, I saw a beast ride up, rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and the mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. So the beast was only a host for the dragon. Who is the dragon? Satan. Who is the beast? Revelation 17. <laughs> I, I don't have to say much more. And he says, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and the deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Who did John wonder after? I wondered with great admiration about this woman. And then God pulled back the cover and showed him she was drunk with the blood of the saints. Friends, that's the beast. The Bible says one of its heads was wounded to death. Pagan Rome was destroyed when Jesus Christ came, when the Christians came. And it was rendered powerless in front of that. But that wound was healed in 325 A.D. At a Nicaea council. When pagan Rome became papal Rome. The same host. The same spirit. But just in a different manner. Friends, who are we hosting? Don't think for a moment because there's niceties coming from that system that we can just say, oh, it's not so bad. Murder lies in her unrepentant heart. You can actually go back and, well, let's just finish reading this. And all the world wondered after the beast. And while they were wondering at the, after the beast, what were they doing? Next verse. And they worshipped the dragon. Yeah, in the middle of a church, they worshipped the dragon. He says, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, so what you see is the dragon coming down to the beast, giving power to him, 
Because the dragon needs a host to work through. Now, the, the, the beast, if you actually take it in Revelations 2, verse 18, I think, and it talks about the mother of harlots and her children. So the infection was not going to stop with the beast, but it was going to carry on to her children, which were churches, which were going to be infected by the same virus, which was against the word of God. Now, I'm trying to establish the principle more than anything here. In Revelation chapter 13, Brother Brandon would say this represents the United States in prophecy. Now, so we see three different elements here. One is the dragon. The next is the beast. And then is, in verse 11, And I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Now who is the two horns? Horns are powers. This is the United States coming forward. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. And he caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he caused great wonders, fire coming down and deceived them on the earth. I'm jumping quickly. Now in verse 12. Or verse 15, sorry. He had power to give life. Oh, sorry, in verse 14, I, I was moving too quickly. Let me slow down. So he had power. It deceived the people because of the miracles. And it says, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. What is the image? It's a council of churches. And what is it? They're agreeing together. How can two walk together except they, dis they agree? They're agreeing together by common characteristics whereby they're susceptible to infection. They become hosts for that dragon to be able to work out his will. Friends, Satan's Eden is coming to a forefront. It's coming to a place. We see it rising all around us. And he had power to give life to that image, a world council. I'll tell you what, you want to read some of the things? He says, they're going to shut down buildings like ours. Now, I'd be glad if they shut it down once we're gone. Shut, you can have it, as long as I'm gone. <laughs> Listen, use it for whatever you want, but just let me go. <laughs> That's what it's coming to. We may not, I don't know how much of this we'll see, but I want you to be able to see the conditions before this fulfills. Friends, they're on the earth like never before. You can't afford to be caught in these things. You need to be on your toes. You need to be sharp. It's not good enough to be part of the church. There was a man who was a part of the church in Jesus' time. His name was Judas. And he was a part of the group that he thought was safe in. But he was already a host for the, ev the devil because of the thoughts he entertained. He didn't have the same thoughts. He thought, how can I make money? 
How can I betray? How can I gain something out of this? See, he didn't truly care. So even in the midst of the believers, there was another host. Listen, that, that gets iffy when you say that. But I'll tell you what, it's the truth. There are two spirits within the framework of the Christian church. Which are you hosting? I tell you what, I want to host all that God has for us. I want to host every gift that he has for us. I want to host every blessing that he has for us. I want to host a a heart that will say, I was wrong and I'll repent. I want to host every blessing that would come on my family. I want to host God in my home. I want to welcome and receive the word. That's the host that we need to be setting ourselves up for. Wonderful. Now, let's let's go back to Numbers chapter 22. I would ask you all if this is okay, but I wouldn't hear it from all of you. Heard a brother that was having a service. They have a little smaller church. And... uh, He's saying, if you really like it, I've set my ringtone to receive a text to ping. And he says, if you like it, just ping an amen to me. And the phone was going off. I I can't do that in a church our size. That'll distract me. I can say everybody call Brother Harold after the service and wish him a happy birthday. But that would get me in trouble too. So, (laughs) God bless you. (laughs) It's good to be a Christian today. (laughs) There's people here that are smiling, so i got some on my side. That's all right. It's good. Numbers chapter 22. Now, I, I, I'm going to use this because the mix of religion and politics and economics, or let's let just, just put it, demons, powers all coming together. I want to just take this from a religious part for a moment and just show how these things can meld together for a minute. This is Numbers chapter 22, verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab, so Balak was the the king of Moab. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now all this company lick up all that are around us. As an ox licketh up the grass of the field, and Balak the son of Zippor was the king of the Moabites at that time. Now remember, Moab started its beginning in Lot when Lot had an, a, an incestuous relationship with his daughter. So they were not, they were, they were a byproduct or they were something that was sort of there, but let me call it susceptible by characteristics to infection. They were susceptible and they showed that when Israel was going into the promised land and they desired some water, they desired some, but they wouldn't give it to them. And and, in fact, God told him, he says, when you pass by them, don't look at them. Don't worry about them. I will take care of you. So God was saying that for a reason, separate yourself, even though they are like cousins, but they are not the ones that we are to link ourselves with. So Moab, because they're susceptible to this, and their king now has a different agenda. In verse 5, 
He said, he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, and said, Behold, there's a people that comes out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth. They abide over against me. Now therefore, I pray thee, curse this people, for they're too mighty for me. Peradventure, I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that we may drive them out of the land. For I wot not that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and him who, who thou cursed is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with their rewards. What was that? Money. Economics. They departed with their rewards of divination in their hand, and they came to Balaam, and they spoke unto him the words of Balak. And he said, Lodge here this night. I will bring the word to you as the Lord speaks to me. And, and God rebukes Balaam. Who are these men that you're hosting? It's not what it says, but this is the theme I'm in here this morning. In other words, a true prophet would not even receive anything in that basis. Neither are we who have been taught in the message receive anything on the basis outside of God's program. And Balaam said unto God, well, it's Balak, you know, he's a king and there's a people. And, says, and God said to Balaam, verse 12, thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said, no, God refused it. Now, I'm not going to have time to read this whole story. But, but the bottom line is that he comes and he tells them the word of law. He gets God's mind, even though he should not have been entertaining them to begin with. And when he did that, now Balak comes back with another offer. I'm not only going to give you money... But I'm going to give you great honor. And you will find that in verse 17. Now he's appealing to pride. That becomes the characteristic which Satan can use to attach himself to. How often can a minister or even a son of God or a daughter of God, I'm strong, I can do it. No, you cannot use pride. You have to humble yourself. I am nothing except God that dwells in me. And he says, and so Balaam, now he's infected. How do you know he's infected? Because he goes back to God to change his mind. And again, God says, no, don't do it. And God was angry and he sends a donkey uh, to stop in front of the angel that was going to kill him. And, and all of these things, you can read this in chapter 22, chapter 23, chapter 24. And you can read it. And in fact, eventually when he prophesies, Instead of cursing them, he blesses them. And he gets, gets Balak upset at him, and he does all these things. Read the message. Does God change his mind about his word? Now, I'm, I'm going to jump to one that I didn't have there, Sis, Sister Ruth, but let's just quickly to the book of Jude chapter, well, it's only one chapter in the book of Jude. If you want to turn to chapter 2, then maybe the chapter just before it would be better. But Jude chapter 1, verse 11 the Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now, not only monetary reward, but reward of pride. So that became a common link between the Moabites and between a prophet. Now religion and politics are mixing together. Friends, it's happening again in the world today. It's mixing together. 
It's happening before our eyes. Listen, this, I may not get to this today. I had to go to the, to the bank the other day. And when I, when I went there, they, I went to go to the teller and they, they said, oh, it's all shut down. It's all shut down. Yeah, you have to use the ATM. Well, I got some checks to deposit. No, you got to do it there. You got to do such and such. And he says, no, you got to do it this way. He says, the, the threat is too great. We're going to have to do this. And all of a sudden, I became very limited. I had to deposit a check, which is going to be a four-day hold, which is going to do all these other things. And, and, and they said, no, this is the way it is. And I saw for the first time, they can shut this down overnight. It's setting up for it. I'll tell you what, I, I've, I've read a few things, articles over the time I was in isolation, as you would call it, but thank God I've, I, I looked at a few articles about the monetary system. I've looked at a few articles, and I may not get there today, but listen, I'll, I'll pick it up yet. I, I saw a few articles on the monetary system. It's moving towards a cashless society. It's all about control. They want to control every transaction, and it's a merging together of religion, demon spirits, and economics or politics. And don't think for a moment, this little disease that has a 1% mortality rate, its cumulative toll on the nations of the world is sinking them into bankruptcy where they're only going to have one option. And that option is to go back to Rome. It's a setup. It's moving right to that. Conditions are in place and they're moving to it. Oh, friends, oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? If you want to look at that, there's actually going to be a pact made between Israel, which has the bonds, and Rome, which has the gold. They're going to make that pact. Now, I'm going to give you some, something very good. The bride will not be here then. <laughs> the bride will not be here then. But that doesn't mean we won't see some of the language. Don't mean for a minute that we're going to see some dialogue. Conditions preceding. Conditions setting up for it. Conditions moving towards it. It's, it's moving towards the channel, friends. Oh, praise God. They're going to break that pact in the end. And then Rome's going to take it all over. It's coming down to it. Well, I trust that I can just speak the word of God freely. Because that's what I have to do. I say that's what you're going to be built up on. Jude chapter 1, it says, so Balaam, it says the error of Balaam for reward. So the error of Balaam, we don't see the full picture of Balaam in the Old Testament. But when you go to the Old Testament and you see the error of Balaam, it gives way to the way of Balaam. So a little error began to be a way, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, I didn't give you this, Sister Ruth, I apologize, but 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15, as I'm just quickly scrambling to find it myself. which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Boser, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So now, 
The love of money so directed him that he couldn't stop when his donkey stopped. He couldn't see the angel. He couldn't do it. But now it wasn't just an error. It became a way. It became entrenched. It became something he couldn't get out of. Brother Branham would say, in, in God of this evil age, friends, the hour is close at hand when the mark will come. You'll either be in it or out of it. It'll come like a thief in the night. It'll catch you right in there. There ain't no getting out of it then. He says, come out. And he refers to Revelations 18. Come out of Babylon. Be not partaker of her plagues. My people. Revelations chapter 2, verse 18. You can read the whole message to the Thyatiran age, but I'm just going to drop down. It talks about that woman, Jezebel, who comes to a certain place. My, I didn't write this down maybe correctly. Oh, no, it's back in chapter 14. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong one. Revelations 2, verse 14. I have a few things against you because you have taught there those that hold the doctrine. So the error gave way to the way which gave way to the doctrine, to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. Now the virus needed a host. Balaam couldn't curse them outright, but he could teach Israel. He began to look at Israel not from the front side, but he began to look at their backside. And he says, oh, they got a little bit of a weakness. They've got a weakness towards women. And he says, Balak, listen, God wouldn't allow me to do things, but let me teach you a better way. You have a hearty. You host them. Bring them into a great time of fellowship and then have your women dance for them. Read this in the church age book, friends. It is full. It is full of principles that we can use in this day. Let me read this for you. He says, there was God looking down from them. Balaam knew the proper approach to God. He knew by revelation that there was an approach but he formulated a plan whereby God would be forced to deal with them in death. Just as Satan knew he could beguile Eve. Now Israel no doubt had seen the feasts of the Egyptians. They did not feel it was wrong to just go and worship or just to go and eat with those people. Come over and worship us. They sent invitations. They didn't feel it was too wrong and they just sat there. What's wrong with a little bit of fellowship? Who are you hosting? I'll tell you what, in the time of the token, mom, moms and dads and the children would come, can I go over to Johnny's to play? Not tonight, son. It's too late an hour for that, son. You can't go down that road anymore, son. You can't go and, and have the same friends. You can't go to the same websites. You can't do the same things. It's a late hour. And he says... Now, what's wrong with a little fellowship? We're supposed to love them, aren't we? Being friendly never hurt anyone, or so we thought. Listen, there's pressure that's coming. Pressure is on the people already. Now, when those sexy Moabitish women began to dance and undress while they whirled around doing their rock and roll, they rose up in the Israelites, and they were drawn into idolatry. 
Now this is when a man, a prince of Israel, took a woman into his tent and Phineas the priest came in and stayed the plague. Friends, if we find Brother Branham's last cry to the bride was, stay in line, stay in line. Friends, that's still an admonition, stay in line. Now Brother Branham would take this very thing and actually he would go in, into the resume of the ages at the end and he says, the next step after worshiping together, and he makes this statement, a little pressure from the host usually makes the guest go a lot further than they intended. Oh, there's a multitude of quotes I could, but I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. A little pressure from the host makes you go further than you intended. He says, now, that didn't only happen in the Old Testament. Now listen, just as we start to wind our thoughts down here. Constantine was a nominal Christian. The first Christian church of Rome. Now, you can go through the church ages and read it. It's, it's tremendous. And he says the outcome was nigh. He said to help get the Christians together, he invited a very large body in the Nicene Council of 325 A.D. Christians, true and nominal, came at the invitation of Constantine. Now the true Christians had no business, had no business going to that meeting. I'll tell you what, there's one place we need to stay. I'm going to stay right under the blood. I'm going to stay with what God has proven. Friends, use this opportunity. As you see events unfolding, it ought to trigger something in you. It ought to heighten your spiritual senses and say, oh God, is this the hour? If it isn't the hour, I see conditions being prepared. And I also need to be prepared. I also need to be inoculated. I also need to have my spiritual senses sharpened. And he says, he says, Constantine gave of the state's treasury along with political and physical force. Oh, friends, don't you see what's happening? Don't you see what's gathering? Don't you see what's coming? I, I, I got other parts to this, but I, I'm going to need to close it here for today. He says, they, they began to, when, when they did this, they gave up their baptism in the name of Jesus. They went over to a Trinitarian baptism. They gave up so many other things, and they themselves began to be infected by this virus, which was, where they were just hosts now, just by merging together. Ahab married Jezebel. That was the king of Israel. But Jezebel had a daughter who now went over to the spiritual part of Judah and she married Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram. And when he did that, he caused Judah, who was always a more spiritual people, to fall into idolatry. Look at all it takes is a host. Judas became a host. But I say this, we can also be a host for the Lord. We can also be for him. As we, as we close and wind down, and I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Sister Ruth, can you just put on just that last bit of PowerPoint? I'm not going to have time to read all that I put down there. But I, I, I trust you can see by the scripture, by how things are going to happen. 
In Revelations 19, Christ is getting ready to meet him. The battle's going to be hot and heavy. Christ is also gathering his. Not from the four corners of the earth because there's going to be a little bitty remnant. He's gathering them from the four corners of heaven on a snow white horse. He has a name called the word of God. Life. God is the only source of eternal life. Zoe life is what it is. I, I don't want to get into all of this, but I'm just going to just take this last little bit. There's only two powers. One is a spiritual power, the Holy Spirit. The other is the devil working through intellectual power. I looked at some things about the things that are happening in the economic world. In the last year, 20 major CEOs of companies have stepped down, not wanting to take the responsibilities. In, in every nation, there's a change the amount of cash you can carry. It's gone down to 10,000 where you have to report it. Australia's gone down to 5,000. They're coming to a time where they want full control. You know what all of that's merging together? Political powers, merging with religious powers, merging with demon powers. I, I, I tell you what, friends, it ought to be a time where you can say, I'll never figure this all out. I don't understand, you know, why, how these things are that way. But you don't need your intellect. Here's the good news. The exodus is at hand. The intellectual part looks, looks perfect. It's the inspiration of Satan. Listen close. The same devil, in a different form of a kingship, tried to destroy God's only son. The devil is a real smart, shrewd bird. He knows how to hit the thing before it gets started. But he says, I want you to notice, Brother Branham says this now, the voice of God's calling to you, this same pillar of fire... It didn't leave when Brother Branham left. It's leading a people again to a promised land. We found under the inspiration of the sixth seal, it's never been taught before, he says, the earth has to be purified for the millennium. The pillar of fire is leading them to a millennium. Don't be afraid. Stay true to Christ. Unbelief will catch reason. There'll be some who will think, I can worship in the framework of, of this system and still trade you to... That's just reason. You cannot do it. He said, unbelief relies on reason. He says, the only thing you can ever do is rely on Christ. This is my last quote. Humble yourself. Let Him lead you. See? Your intellectual powers will never do it. You've got to believe Him. Just rely on Him. He is the shepherd. Brother Marion, if you could come. It ain't the sheep's business to keep the wolf away. It's the shepherd's business. The sheep must stay with the shepherd in order to stay safe. That's my safety zone. It's in Christ. Christ is the word. Let's stand together.